Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel we like to call Not Comics. This is the 13th Not Comics special, and we have finally come full circle. You see, Michael and I launched this podcast in the um, in the weeks leading up to Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. We thought, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is 10 years old. We should do a podcast about Marvel because we like Marvel comics and because Doctor Who and Star Trek is too hard. <laughs> so, right. um, and we, we, we started the episodes the weekend that Infinity War came out. And now it's been a few weeks since Endgame. We have a little bit, you know, delayed our coverage because, you know, stuff happens. But here we are. Avengers Endgame. And just to celebrate that circle, or maybe it's not really a celebration, but when we first did Infinity War on our first special, it was just the two of us. So we kind of decided for Endgame, we would forego our customary uh, find a, uh, a guest host and just do it ourselves. So yeah. just the two of us tonight is probably enough to talk about without having to you know, interview a host on their first time they ever read an Avengers comic or whatever. Yeah. Uh, because we know that our first time to read Avengers comic was, what, like four months ago with the Avengers number one episode? Yeah, right. I've never read them before. I have no idea who they are. So, Right. Boy, what a movie. It was a movie. It was like <laughs> a full, solid, long movie. Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing for this movie before we talk about the movie. I did not feel that three hour, three and a half hours. No. I don't know about I, you. Yeah. As soon as I said long, I was like, but it didn't really, I mean, it wasn't long in a bad way. No. It was paced well. Right. Like, I don't remember getting up and being like, oh, man, like, I was counting the minutes for that thing to be over. No, not at all. It kind of just blew on by. Like, when you're watching Return of the King and it ends, like, five times. Yeah, see, then I remember people checking their watches. I don't feel like that yeah. anybody had that going on with this movie. And as, mu- as much as I love Man of Steel, the first time I watched it... Uh, my son was still very young, and he was very antsy in that theater. <sighs> um, and we got to the end of the world engine destruction. I thought, and thank it's so, over. Yeah, and and then Zod flies out of the rubble, and it's like, okay, we're still going. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. No, this didn't have that feeling for sure. So that sense, it was good. I was really worried about the bladder. Had no issues with that. Um, so. Success there. Actually, I'd even argue, maybe we'll argue that more as we get to the end, but I actually argue that maybe it should have been four hours. Um, there were a few parts that I thought could maybe do a little bit more, but for the most part, I was I was pretty happy with the storytelling choices. Um, okay, so luckily you lead these specials, because I'm not sure how to uh, to handle that, because, uh, you know, what do you want to talk about? Or, uh, oh, you know? It's, there's like, so many things. Right? It's like, it almost feels like it's impossible <laughs> to cover everything, so... Okay, so we, we open with the final act of the story. Well, how about this? We open how with... About, how about yeah. just a general, without getting any too detailed, what did you overall think of the movie? Or how many times have you seen it? Did you see it opening day? That kind of thing. Seen it twice. Okay, seen it twice. Um, the first time I saw it was with some friends. We went to Jordan Con, which is a fantasy literature convention in Atlanta, Georgia. Um which celebrates the Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan and other mm. other books in the fantasy genre. Cool. And we saw it Friday night. So it was a little bit amusing because they actually had 
a Avengers spoiler discussion panel at the convention for everyone who had seen it Thursday night. Okay. And it was it was scheduled for Friday evening, so we couldn't go to that because we were too busy seeing the movie. Um, so saw it that night, and then saw it again with my kids the following weekend. Um, and maybe Wednesday, actually. My overall response to the film is it was a celebration of the 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And it really did close a lot of doors on what had gone before, saying this chapter's done. It definitely so did much that. so that I don't have any idea. Like, I am eagerly anticipating San Diego Comic Con to find out what the heck they're going to do next. Yeah, there was definitely that. You? I saw, I've seen it one time, so I hope I can remember everything because there was a lot. Um, I went opening day because I wasn't going to because I'm 44 now and I don't have to do that usually. But I woke up that morning and thought, someone's going to spoil what happens to Iron Man on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly panicked. And so I found a seat, one seat at a theater that isn't even comfortable. And I knew it wasn't comfortable, but I did it anyway. And it was even less uncomfortable because I sat between two heavy sort of people who like took up a lot of arm space. And I watched it and I still passed very fast, even though it was not like, you know, recliner seats and all that fun stuff. So uh, I thought I walked out of there like Feeling like I saw a movie and had an experience, which is a weird thing to say, I guess. But sometimes you see a movie and it's just like in one eye socket and out the other, right? Mm -hmm. And you never think about it again. That was not the case. I felt like I had an experience. I wasn't sure what I thought of it. I was thinking a lot of negative things about it, kind of. And then as the days and weeks and even now I still think about it pass, things keep twirling around in my head that I go back and forth on or it like unwinds and kind of in a way it just feels like a big hot mess, but that doesn't necessarily mean I didn't like it. It's a really weird movie. I don't know how to explain it. Okay. And I also like, I don't know about you, but I'm the resident nerd for a lot of like normal people. Mm -hmm. And so of course, anytime a movie like this comes out, they have to ask me what I thought. And I really found myself like avoiding and that conversation. Yeah, because I just didn't know how to converse about it. And I don't even know what I'm going to say tonight, to be honest with you. So we'll see how it goes. But there there was not a clear reaction for me. It was just kind of a something happened to me, but I don't know what it was. Well, it's um, it's yeah, I remember watching it and the opening act where they're going after Thanos and Captain Marvel shows up. All the stuff that the trailers set you up to see. Uh huh. Happen in the first 15 minutes right, of the Right, right. So that sets you up to a lot of things. A lot of the theme in this movie is breaking our expectations, mm -hmm. which is not a bad thing. I actually thought a lot of that was cool. So yeah, the first first 15 minutes, we have Thanos dead. Right. And the and Gauntlet and the gems destroyed because he killed them. He used the stones to destroy the stones. Which practically killed him. And then Thor beheads him or aims for the head. Haha. And then... Walks away sad because he still feels like a failure. Um, I loved all that. That was all great. Tony's super skinny. The whole space business. Nebula being kind of kind to him, you know, because she's tougher than he is. Nebula, as a character, has really gone on an arc. Right? Yeah. That was good stuff. I like that she, like, gave him the last of the sandwich or whatever it was and, you know, was kind of taking care of him, making sure he wasn't dead. Um, and and just, just really became humanized. Like, yeah. she... She was a cipher 
in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. And, you know, she was this mysterious sister of Gamora, you know, sworn to obey her father, very violent, you know, but other than being like a hate and death machine, we didn't really know a lot about her. We got more of her in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but I think through Infinity War and especially through Endgame, as a person, Nebula just really became fully fleshed out and got to do a lot and grow a lot. Yeah, especially because you get to compare her to original Nebula in this movie, right? And get rem- and the- get reminded of how what a lackey, you know, a lackey and full of hate person she used to be, right? Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I love, um, I mean, Doctor Who fan. So whenever right. that actress whose yeah. whose name is falling out of my brain at the moment Karen, was playing Karen Gilliam, 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 something like that. Yes, Gillen. yes, yes, Karen Gilliam. Yes. Whenever she was playing Amelia Pond in Doctor Who, I mean, those are some of my favorite years of New Who. Oh, um, for sure. Her, yeah. With Matt her Smith. Her arc with her. Mm-hmm. Is it boyfriend or husband? Husband, eventually. Rory? Yeah. 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 Whenever they, um, you know, on their adventures with Matt, there's so many great stories that come out of that. But um, I didn't feel like she, as an actress, got to do nearly as nearly enough with the character in the first movie. I was disappointed. And then it's been it's been so much more since then. And whenever I see her without her makeup, like on the set of Avengers, I'm like, oh wait, yeah, that's right, she's in this because yeah. she just looks so different. She was a little disappointing. I remember thinking that too in the original Guardians, like she didn't have anything to do, and we're like both thinking probably like, hey, that's freaking Amy Pond from Doctor Who. Give her some dialogue, right? But uh, right. but by Guardians too, I really enjoyed her storyline because she got to kind of confront her sister and try and kill her but then she couldn't do it and then they ended up like talking it out and she's still angry but was starting to become reasonable so that was cool and i haven't read very much nebula in the comics i think the only nebula i've ever read is when she shows up in the infinity gauntlet the original infinity gauntlet story Mm -hmm. and you know going into this movie you know we wondered you know what is what is nebula going to do in this movie because in the infinity gauntlet you know, she has a pretty large role to play at the end with like taking the gauntlet, becoming a despot even worse than Thanos was, and yeah. they a, you know, teaming up with Thanos to take her out. And I think the story choices made with her in this were so much better, so much more validating to that character and, and the role that she has played. And in the comic, he like tortured her the entire miniseries until she snatched the gauntlet in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is kind of horrible too, but. Yeah, it's a different character for sure. I don't think she's she's much more of a lackey or, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like wants to prove to daddy that she's awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't think so much in the comic. They're more like just rivals, I think. Uh, but I can't remember really either. Well, the, uh, the MCU has done a good job of taking a story that like you write down the one or two sentence basic concept on paper mm-hmm. and then you tell a completely different story with that same concept. Yeah, it's funny. They they absolutely can do that. Um, so it's funny to me when someone blames a bad comic movie or whatever on like, oh, they didn't get the character right. Because it's like, well, you all love the MCU movies and I can point out, you know, at least 28 different ways they got characters wrong, you know, quote unquote wrong in those movies. Quote unquote wrong. Yeah. But they work. Right. So it's, is it really about getting the character wrong, whatever that means? Or is it something else that you're not liking? But anyway, that's a different road. Um, but like you were saying, um, malnourished Tony, mm-hmm. digitally skinnied up. They do a good job um, with that. That's probably the same program they did with Steve Rogers. Well, I was just thinking today with like 
Snapchat filters and all that stuff that like in real time digitally alters your face. Yeah. And just like the the technology with making people look different is so leaps and bounds beyond what we ever imagined as kids. And um, in First Avenger, they hire a skinny actor and then they superimpose Evan's face on it. And I assume they must have did something like that for this, but it really works. That's that's not what I understand happened oh. in the first. No? Yeah, in the first Avenger, whenever he's skinny, they actually just enlarged his head and then took the whole thing down a little bit. Really? I thought I saw another actor standing in, but I don't know. Okay. That's what I heard. I, I could be wrong. But I don't know. Now, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, well, what about his like super muscular body that happens later? Right. Yeah. Like whenever he's like standing there and, and uh, Agent Carter's like on eye level with his boobs and she's like having a hard time. <laughs> right. Um, so what do you think of Tony being annoyed or pissed off? Actually, he was really angry at uh, Steve and crew for not being there. I'm not sure what he means by that. Like be, not being um, in space with them because that kind of just happened accidentally, didn't it? Yeah, I think he's a little bit misguided, but also I think he's had a lot of time to like focus his emotions on it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's upset because he saw this coming. Yes, ever since Age of Ultron, at least. Right. Uh, he has seen the need for protection. I think. I think Age of Ultron is really where we first start building a lot of the character arcs that lead us here, to, that take us through Civil War and, and, and into here. Um, he, yeah. in every course in Age of Ultron, people had visions, like people saw the future mm-hmm. and, and like Thor saw the future and other stuff and and it happened yes. and it was bad. Yes. But I think even with, Iron, I think ever since the first attack in Avengers and the nuclear thing and he almost died and then in Iron Man 2, he's having the panic attacks. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. By Age of Ultron, he, mm-hmm. Age of Ultron, he's like, I invent. Three is with the panic attacks. Sorry. Three. Yes. Yes. But three is before Avengers 2, right? Um, I think. Because it was, because yeah. it takes place after, it, it take, it's the ramifications of Avengers. Um, yeah, the I think yeah, I think I guess I was wrong. Iron Man's arc that coalesces here it really goes back to the Avengers and his near death, near death fighting off an alien invasion, mm-hmm. PTSDing over the near death in Iron Man three, coming back with solid defense in Age of Ultron, and all going to pot in Infinity War. Right. Yeah, because by Avengers two, he's talking about how he envisions the planet with a suit of armor. Mm-hmm. You know, he really wants to protect from whatever it is he's seeing. So that's definitely been part of his. That's that's all leading through Civil War and everything, too. Why he signed those things, because he wants to. Oh, he felt guilted so into, like, signing it because of that mother, because of Ultron, because of, you know, it's always pushing him. This this fear and guilt of, like, protecting Earth. Yeah, his, uh, his you weren't there in Infinity War stems out of the fact that they refused to sign on. Right. And- Civil War. Civil War, the Avengers split. Because of Cap. In Infinity War, that split is still there. So he's probably thinking, instead of, I, I was taking it literally, but probably what he meant was just as a general sense, the Avengers are broken up and couldn't deal with this problem because you broke it. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And then in the course of, you know, the five years later timeline, he finds a home and a family and a connection that he never had as a child, never had as a young adult, never had like 
the the Tony Stark that we meet in Iron Man is this Tony Stark that is completely without anyone to rely on except Pepper. Mm-hmm. And that that relationship grows and solidifies and brings out a daughter and so he finally has this like this like emotional connection that he never had before. And so he super super duper values that as they go into the final mission, does not want to give that up, does not want to lose that cuz like he he lost everything in Infinity War. So that leads us to the next expectation broken is Thanos essentially wins, destroys the Infinity Stones. They can't undo anything. He gets decapitated. Thor walks away sad. And then we get a five years later uh, Oh, my thing, God. Which is five just like years later. I did not see that coming. So now two things in a row I no. did not see coming. Back to back. Wow. Fade to black. Yeah. Five years later. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, as I saw people who hadn't seen the movie yet, like, the, I knew I, I knew I could ruin them with three words. Five years later. <laughs> Five right? years later. Yeah. See, my expectation of the movie was that they were going to gear up to confront Thanos and get that gauntlet. Yeah. You know? And that did That's not happen. That's what they sold us in the trailers. Right. Right. I thought all those fancy spacesuits was to go to space. Or something. And like fight him on the planetoid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So with the giant throne and death standing over on the side. That's too simple. That's not going to work. So, so five years later, now here we have a setting of a world that's super depressed, um, which makes sense to me. Lots of people, Uh lots of people lost a lot of people, you imagine. Um, I feel like things might have been a little bit over dead. See, I mean, they did lose half the people, but. Yeah. They only lost half the people. There's still three and a half billion people in the world. I was just, that's what I was going to say is like, I've seen that complaint. Like, I think even it was like Kurt Busick, even just to throw out a Marvel creator, uh, did a tongue in cheek. Like, I don't buy that just because you lose half of New York, that the Mets still wouldn't be playing. Right. Because, you know, there's still what? Two million people in New York now or something like that. I don't know what it and, is. And five years is a long time to sort of rebuild. Yeah, so my I mean, my only hen cannon is maybe they're just so epically crushed and depressed that like sports don't matter anymore and going to work doesn't matter anymore. That's the feeling I get from what we do see is that everyone's just like, you know what, life doesn't matter anymore because it's not like we grew to three and a half billion. It's the nineteen seventies because I mean that's where we, the nineteen seventies. That's three and a half billion. That's when we were that size, right? So. The world was a fully functional, thriving place in the 1970s. But if, if you think um, about it, like people... But instead of... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, instead of growing to three and a half billion, we're cut down to three and a half billion. It's a very different dynamic. But people can go through depression losing people that they know they're going to lose. You know, mm-hmm. let alone you wake up one day and you don't have a son anymore for no reason. And the entire world doesn't have a son anymore right. or a daughter or a sister. Or you whatever. have to imagine that every person on the planet is affected by a loss Somebody, Uh somebody, the odds are that no one got away clean. Right. So I could see like mass depression. Now, I don't know. They didn't really show the city a lot. So I don't know how functioning it is. It kind of seemed like it wasn't functioning at all. So that is a little overkill, maybe. I don't know. And Black Widow becomes the leader of the Avengers. And the Avengers is like this worldwide (laughs) policing team of like putting out fires all over the world. Uh Um and she's like coordinating it all. Galactic team, because yeah, because Captain Marvel's out there in space, and the Guardians are out there. In yeah, I was gonna say she's space. Rocket Raccoon is reporting in 
and uh, Miss Mar or Captain. Whoops, sorry, everybody. Captain Marvel. And uh, so I assume both those people are in space doing stuff. Right. Even though Captain Marvel makes a big deal about how she's not going to be around anymore, we can also assume that Rocket's probably not going to be around very much either. He's a little more around than she is, but. Yeah, well, and they do soon land after that. Like, I guess he, whenever they make the plan to save the day, Rocket seems accessible. I guess he's on his way home anyway or something. I don't know. He's one of the. He's, yeah. he's like the last of the Guardians, so. They all disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. So he and Nebula, they are the only Guardians of the Galaxy at that point. Yeah. So I don't know how we want to do this, like just go straight in order, but I'm already thinking about Captain Marvel and something I want to ask you, but that involves going all the way to the end, too. Let, let's do it. Okay. Let's, let, let's stream of consciousness. Stream of let's consciousness. Go. The end of Infinity War, post-credits, we're all disappearing. What are we going to do? Call the Captain Marvel program, right? Mm-hmm. Then we get a whole movie about what the heck Captain Marvel is to set in between Infinity War and Endgame, suggesting to my brain... She's going to be an integral part in how we're stopping Thanos, right? <laughs> right. She's going to be the Adam Warlock of, especially since in her movie it's established that she's pretty much like godlike, right? So she actually mm-hmm. could take him on. But then other than... She is Superman. She Bigger than Superman, maybe. Like, she could do energy stuff, too. But, um, yeah. So, like, then she doesn't do anything. And I know she does stuff. I'm not saying she doesn't do anything. But she's not really integral. She didn't need to be there. Rocket could have rescued Iron Man. She shows up in the end for the fight, but she doesn't like... I mean, Scarlet Witch does more damage than she does. Well, she's kind of a... She has a really big cavalry moment. She has a cavalry um, moment. That they're, yes. They're, they're basically about to lose whenever she shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I totally understand your point. Because, like, she's important to the story and the weight that she carries, but not important to the story and like how much involvement she has in the plot. Right. So that's one of the, that's kind of like the theme of this movie to me is like, part of me goes, Oh, I didn't like that. So does that mean the movie's bad? And another part of me is like, well, but just cause they didn't do what I thought they should do. Doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that a lot about this movie and it's kind of exhausting. I, re- I wrestle <laughs> with my brain versus my heart, you know? Like, I, right. I don't like when people tell me I don't like this movie because it's not my Batman. It's like, who cares if it's your Batman? They don't have to make a movie about your Batman. Is it a good movie? That's what matters within itself. But I have the expectations that you're supposed to do something because they set her up that way. Big time. post credit scene, a whole movie setting her up. And then she does essentially two things, neither of which were integral for her to do. So, well, yeah, it's, I think it's they like did she- kind of fail a little bit on that. It's storytelling tied up with marketing and how they're kind of like feeding off of each Mm -hmm. other. Because you're right. They end Infinity War with like Captain Marvel. And so you're expecting Captain Marvel. And really, that marketing storytelling choice was more to get you in the seats for the Captain Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And she'll have subsequent movies, which I'll be happy to go see. And I'm sure she'll do things in those movies when she's the star. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. people in this movie, so I get that. But I guess they just built up an expectation that they didn't, themselves did not feel the need to carry out or something. Yeah, yeah, it is It is an interesting choice. You're right. And we're in this world of franchises within franchises and franchises <laughs> right. feeding each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, Doctor Strange didn't do a whole lot in this movie either, even though he was kind of integral to everything happening. So um, so let's go into that then, because not even just Doctor Strange, but like in general now, 
think about all the people that were in Infinity War and their plots and how those plots ended with them disappearing and stuff. And now think of their their depictions or the mileage they get in Endgame, and it's very little. And I don't know how to solve that problem because Infinity War made them disappear. And the entire point of Endgame is to bring them back. Right. So, yeah, you're not really going to get a lot of Spider-Man time. But you sure got a lot of Spider-Man time in Infinity War. And you sure got a lot of Doctor Strange time in Infinity War. And now you get, like, nothing. Because you can't. There's no room. There's no time. So that's why I kind of said earlier, maybe it should have been a four-hour movie. So we could get some follow-up or something. But, uh, gotcha. But, uh, yeah, it does seem like that was sort of some of the stuff that was unraveling after I saw the movie. And it simmers for a couple weeks. It's mm-hmm. like, boy, there were some really cool dynamic scenes between Doctor Strange and Iron Man that don't go anywhere. Oh, there was some really cool father-son stuff in Doctor Strange or uh, Spider-Man and Iron Man that kind of don't go anywhere. Uh, that's weird. I don't know. It's just like, and I'm not sure, again, how to solve it because they set themselves up that way to have a movie where these people aren't in it. Yeah. Yeah, I get the conundrum. Um, it's it's just the sort of thing I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about. It it, it didn't bother me, but like the more that you mention, I'm like, huh, it is kind of a weird, like structural, conceptual level, right? Weirdness. And even guys that are in the movie, and we can get to to Hulk, uh, you know, in terms of his transformation. But like, think about the expectation they created in the Hulk in Infinity War. He loses a fight with Thanos for the first time ever. Loses a fight. Uh, he refuses to come out, and then off camera they solve that problem. And then I don't even remember him participating in the fight in the end. So we don't get like that that uh, revenge that we kind of wanted, you know? Like I really would have loved to see the Hulk beat the tar out of Thanos just a little bit or something, you know? Yeah, he um, he had the gauntlet. He did the snap. Right. He was holding at the building in Marvel Superhero Secret Wars number four. <laughs> right, kind of right, thing. right, right. And that's the last I remember um, of him. What, did he do anything after that, or am I just not remembering? He wailed on some Thanos guys, but he did not get to wail on Thanos himself. Yeah, so that just felt a little... And again, that's me going back wrestling with, is that my problem because it's my personal problem, or is that really something they should have addressed? Or, you know, I don't know. I don't have an answer. And the thing is, is like, that's the end of the Hulk. Like, he was one of the signatures at the end. We're not getting any more Hulk. Oh, really? He's not coming back? That's they have not said that, but that's what I interpreted it because you know all of the people who signed the screen at the end oh. were the people who I think were wrapping up their stories. I thought that was just the originals or something. Maybe okay, well maybe I misinterpreted. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Maybe you're not wrong though, because that kind of makes sense. And if that's the case, now I want to remember who signed. Definitely uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. Who else signed? Did Thor sign? See, I think Thor did sign, but he's with the Guardian, so he could continue to make films. But he could also not. They could just have a line that says he got off at the last port. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I didn't know where they were going with that exactly. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has been in a bunch of rigmarole with the whole James Gunn situation, but mm. I believe that's all ironed out now. James Gunn has been brought back on, and that movie is going forward. That's true, yes. Um, so is that going to be – I if, we, if we're not going to get a Thor 4 – are we going to get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 co-starring Thor? Or is he just now a Guardian, which is kind of awesome. Right. Yeah, that's um, stuff we can't answer. But that did make me wonder, like, because I heard he was tired of playing Thor. And I thought he'd be done. But he, they kind of left it open. Like, he could easily come back in another movie. I hadn't heard he was tired of playing Thor. I thought I'd heard that he was 
considering that like Thor four is not outside their own possibility. They just hadn't talked about a Thor four yet. Again, we, we have no idea where the whole MCU is going. And that's, that's a whole other thing is like, you know, people have talked about the fact that the Avengers has been the driving f- aspect of the MCU and they've pretty much summed up their Avengers story. So are they going to continue to do Avengers colon subtitle movies or are they going to steer the MCU in a different direction and build up other franchises? I, I just I just don't know. Now that we have the Fox properties back, we have the Fantastic Four and the X-Men as being possibilities. And here's something that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I realize this is not the movie so much as like speculation of the future, but, I, yeah, but I've been wanting to say this. That's what this movie does is make you speculate about the yeah. future. Right. Okay. So five years later, Mm -hmm. that allows for the growth and development of Fantastic Four and X-Men off camera Mm. and then coming into their own in a post endgame world. Like anyone who's on the X-Men, if we consider the core, the the original content of the X-Men as a school of teenagers, Mm -hmm. they were 12 or younger when the snap happened. And they could be growing up and living at Xavier's for any amount of the last five years. The snap and cu- ignited the X gene. Oh. <laughs> Why? That's a whole other Why? thing. Why? I don't know, but it did. I don't know, but possibly. But, you know, there. it's been five years. It's time for teenagers who were kids when the snap happened to now come out as superheroes. And so I don't think you need, like, multiverse hopping which is I, the the most common thing I've seen speculated online is that with the multiverse, you can bring the X-Men, the Fantastic Four from other universes. I don't think you need that. I think you can have those groups growing and emerging during the time that has happened. Yeah, because, I mean, I know now in X-Men comics, we have retcons where there's really early mutants from caveman days or whatever. But initially, they all just sprung out from the 60s. With everybody else. So you could just say that the X gene hasn't happened yet until it starts happening, right? Um, and and the right. Fantastic Four can do their cosmic ray trip anytime. It doesn't have to be, you know, before any of this stuff. Although it is kind of cool that they're Marvel's first family and now they're kind of won't be, but doesn't necessarily negate their existence. Uh, right. Just like um, DCU Superman is not the first superhero. But right. Because the storytelling. You know, makes them so because they keep you know, it's not. they keep they keep um, redoing the universe wrong. But they don't ask me anyway. Um, yeah, it's just full of my personal opinion on the X Men thing is I really wish they just leave it in their own universe anyway. Why can't they do that? Just because they own them doesn't mean they have to merge them all together. But they're yeah. not they're not asking me, and I know they're gonna just pull it aside or put it all mash it together somehow. And I hope they do a good job of it, but. Well, it, the X-Men are, are also kind of weird in comics because you had 17 years of one creator doing all of his own stuff with the X-Men and never crossing over with anybody else. And right. so they sort of became this sort of like, you know, introverted side of the universe that never talks to anybody else. Well, they don't seem to affect anybody else, which is a weird thing because you would think if you're Mr. Captain America, high morals guy in the world, and there's mutants being oppressed, wouldn't you say something? You would think. Right? But they don't ever cross <laughs> over. It, they never addressed that point until Avengers versus X-Men. Right. And I don't even know what they said, but it was probably something stupid. But, uh, but it's also 2012 whenever it really should have come out in like the 70s or 80s or 90s. Right. So I've always felt like the X-Men are their own thing. And I 
I've enjoyed the MCU and I've enjoyed the uh, was it Sony Sony uh, Spider Man X Universe stuff. That's Fox. I'm sorry, Fox. Yes, the Fox X Universe stuff. Not as much as the MCU. I don't think it's as tight and as coherent. But that actually kind of works with X Men to me, being not tight and coherent. That's one of their things. Right. Um, so I don't know. Just because they're owned by the same person now, does that mean they have to mingle, or can they just do an X thing? Uh, I don't know if it means they have to mingle, but I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige has said that they're going to mingle. Yeah, that's what I figure. It'd be it'd be simpler to me if they didn't, but whatever. We'll see how it goes. We will see. Um, so we want to talk about more disappointing things they didn't follow up on, or do we want to talk about something else? Because <laughs> I thought of another one. Okay, go for it. Peter Quill, Star Lord, since we brought up Guardians of the Galaxy. And Gamora, you killed Gamora. He felt really so bad about that that he actually ruined their chances of defeating Thanos. Um, and then, of course, he disappears. And he comes back and he sees Gamora, but it's not that Gamora. It's past Gamora, right? Mm-hmm. She kicks him in the nuts. They make a joke out of it. And then that's it. And I don't even know if that Gamora is even around. Or did she disappear okay, see, with the snap? Because uh, she's not on the ship w- in the end. And he's not crying about her. Or affected by her. So it's like, man, he was. it was really powerful how much he cared about her death in Infinity War. And then in this, it was just like jokes and done. It never occurred to me that she might have disappeared in the snap at the end of Endgame. That didn't even occur to me. She's, I just assumed that she was still around. She's part of Thanos' past people, so he got rid of all of them, right? No, no, you're right. That, I, you're right. That, that makes sense. I just hadn't thought about it, if she's alive or dead. Um, it is true that Peter Quill on the on the end is all about, you know measurement jokes with Thor and, you know, mm-hmm. getting a ruler out and seeing who's going to be the bigger mm-hmm. leader of the ship. Um, There's no sad. I, I like the idea of this Gamora continuing on and kind of putting the kibosh on the Peter Quill Gamora romance, uh-huh. because I kind of felt like that became the central focus of the Gamora character was a romantic counterpart to Peter Quill. And that's not the Gamora I wanted. And that's fine if they want to go that way. But could they have put that in this movie in the end also instead of just the penis measuring with Thor? Yeah. Like he, he could yeah. say, boy, I really miss you. And she could be like, I have no idea who you even are or something. Well, they did that. I mean, no, they did it for a joke. But like there was no point where that ruined his life. Oh, they, they didn't, you're right, they didn't come back to the pathos of him. Yeah, of him. Having lost Gamora, you're right. He still lost Gamora, and now he has this reminder of a Gamora on a ship, if she's even alive, because again, she wasn't in that final scene. So does that mean she just didn't get on the ship, or does that mean she's gone forever? I guess we don't know. Yeah, some of this stuff, I feel like it makes sense to deal with it in their own movies, especially since we know those movies are coming down the pike. Okay, like, except I would argue that, that not, they set it up in Infinity War. yeah. The pathos of him losing yeah. Gamora is Infinity War, right? But it's like we're going to see Peter deal with Tony Stark in um, Far From Home. Okay. We're going to see, you know, I, I feel like we're going to see a lot of the fallout of Endgame in everyone's future installments. Okay, and that's fine if that's true. I hope so. I hope this. But you're right. I hope the, this if, has if they, many, many aftershocks. Yeah, it needs it needs to have aftershocks, and I I, I hope that I'm right. Yeah. That they're going to do this because if they don't, you're right. That's a that's a pretty big disservice to the story they've been telling. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there there are some things like like Scarlet Witch and the Vision. Yeah, there's another one. Great example. Scarlet Witch and the Vision. That whole thing is mentioned in this. Well, we don't get the Vision it, back. Like, oh, 
obliquely. But yeah, we don't get the Vision back. And knowing that the Scarlet Witch and the Vision are having a TV show coming is what makes that okay for me. Like, okay, we're going to get that story. We're just not getting it now. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of feel like there's some economy of storytelling going on there. Like, you're going to get these stories. They're just not going to happen here in Endgame because Endgame is about wrapping up the Thanos and celebrating the MCU. But you're right. That results in some weird storytelling choices that they normally wouldn't do. Yeah. I think I'm with you on... I think they're spending more time celebrating the MCU than than dealing with any of the emotions they've created in previous films, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. It's a sign that I hadn't really considered before. I was, I was all wrapped up in like, you know, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, Thor is in like PTSD depression and like can't cope with the fact that his life fell apart and he couldn't do anything about it and he's fallen into despair. Love that. Love that. And I've heard I've heard people I, not like it. I don't care. I love it. I thought it was great. Well, it's it's a mixed thing for mm-hmm. me because like Thor falling into despair, Thor gaining weight as a result of you know his life choices after falling into despair and not being a warrior anymore. All of that I'm totally chill with. Um, having a little bit of humor at the fact that Thor is kind of chubby now, I'm okay with that as an overweight guy. I, you know, it, it's one of those things that you know you do. Mm-hmm. You used to be muscular, now you're kind of flabby. Okay, that's that's a little bit funny. Um, but what I don't like about Thor is that he's pretty much just a comedy character now. Okay, so remember when we talked about Infinity War? I had that same feeling until Infinity War. Like Ragnarok, it's enjoyable, but the entire thing is just like Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth being Chris Hemsworth, right? Right. He's not being Thor anymore. They figured out he's funny. Hey, we saw Ghostbusters. You're actually funny. Let's just have you be funny in a non-Thor way. Like, Thor could be funny. Thor should be funny in a way like when he doesn't understand culture or something. Yeah. He can have comedic moments, but he's not a comedy character. No, he shouldn't be the one fumbling things and running running into walls or throwing things off glass that have that bounce back and hit him in the head and he falls over. That's not Thor to me. Thor's too awesome for Thor that. Thor is not Kevin from Ghostbusters. They're just played by the same right. person. But then in Infinity War, they redeemed themselves because he had that great scene with Rocket where he talks about how he lost his mother. He lost his, uh, you know, home, his father. Mm-hmm. He got to feed his best friend. He wants to fight Thanos twice. And he never quite cries, but you could tell it's like killing him. And he's trying to put on a brave face, right? Mm-hmm. That's the road towards depression right there. That they're establishing. So to me, when like they finally cut to him, like just full on depression after the first 15 minutes of the movie where he's totally unhappy that he killed Thanos because, you know, he still failed. That that just worked for me that he just fell into complete disarray. Um, Now, to your point, I think the problem is, again, another dangling plot point is throughout the whole movie, other than the comic relief, there's a scene where he desperately... Well, there's two scenes. One with his mother that was pretty um, cool, like that actually tapped into him being miserable. Um, But then the scene where they're all choosing who wears the iron gauntlet um, and he desperately wants to be the one to do it because Mm -hmm. he needs that win. Right. And of course, they don't give it to him. Right. And then he never gets a win. He doesn't. And that kind of bothers me, too, because like 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 he and Captain America, like, yeah. Team up with their own separate weapons, but there's never really like a Thor victory moment. No. And here, here's a little petty nerd thing for you. Infinity War, full on gauntlet with all gems, puts it on, does his Hulk out. Thanos does his Hulk out moment and survives it. 
And before he can do anything, Stormbreaker comes flying through the sky. He shoots it with the Infinity Gauntlet. Stormbreaker is the most powerful thing in the world, and it cuts right through it and hits him in the chest. Right? Mm-hmm. Now he has Mjolnir and Stormbreaker and a Thanos with no stones. And he gets his butt kicked. Yeah, a little inconsistency there, Come isn't on. it? I know. That's just a little nerdy comment. And actually, we could just headcanon that and say, but he's out of shape, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but still. Yeah. The whole point, you're right, the whole point of Stormbreaker was, like, you know, the weapon that would beat Thanos. He took the eye of the sun to relight the forge. How godly was that? Right. That was fantastic. Anyway. Well, you're right. making me think about a lot of stuff. I mean, because, I mean... We should talk about some good things. The vast I majority feel like of the storytelling is... Just com- I feel like I'm just <laughs> complaining about everything, and I don't hate all of it. Like, there's lots of stuff I like, so let's think of some like things, maybe. Well, let's let's go to your boy. Okay. Captain America. Mm-hmm. For one, I don't know why they fired his beard. I don't know why they didn't renew the contract on uh-huh. that. Well, I'll but tell you why. If the beard just wanted too much money. Hail Hydra, that's why. <laughs> oh yeah with the beard the whole time travel thing wouldn't right? work i guess he could have shaved it before the time travel just to fit in yeah yeah um at least they do like the whole acknowledgement of the loss of the beard with the shaving scene like we see him like wiping his face with a towel yeah um but but yeah so captain america he you know he's helping people in the five years later timeline he's helping people cope um, he's doing sam's job Oh, he was doing Sam's job. It's now, now that Sam's gone, he was doing Sam's pretty job. Much, You're pretty right. Much. I mean, they weren't. I don't know if they were all military, but that was what Sam was oh, doing. And now Sam's going to do his job. Oh, yep. Oh, oh. Okay. Um, he and Tony have some great reconciliations. Yes. Um, that was fantastic. I, I love the line. Don't tell anybody. I didn't bring one for everybody. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So funny. I love his stuff with with uh, Black Widow at the uh-huh. you know early part where he's like you know I just came to say hi and there's a sandwich and everything. Um, They're good friends. Oh, I love how friendly they are in the MCU. They really are. You know, good between Winter Soldier and Civil War, like I like that they're not like a romantic item. They're more like brother sister. But uh, right, yeah, I like their relationship. They're awesome. I'm waiting for Scarlett Johansson and Kevin or uh, Chris Evans to date at some point. I'm waiting for that announcement, but. <laughs> we'll see. It feels like it right? should. Right? And just going back to the idea, now you got me thinking, going back to the idea of, you know, misplaced story choices, I realize that a significant chunk of the fan base was weirded out by Steve and Sharon in, you know, Catch America Civil War. I realized Were that. Were they? Okay. I was not one of no, those people. I wasn't either. I, I like Steve and Sharon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it felt very natural um, the the weirdness about Sharon and Peggy both being his his love interests is you know that's been in the comics since 1965 so I'm over it um, but we don't have a single hint of Sharon in anything after Civil War. Well, he was on the run after Civil War, so I guess she just wouldn't show up in Infinity Gauntlet or Infinity War. Uh, Wasn't she on the run with him? No, she didn't go. Okay. Um, remember what we saw is like he defeats Iron Man he goes to leave Iron Man says my dad made that shield he gave him the shield and then we don't see him again until like post credits when he shows up to rescue the guys that are in prison so he's just on the run he never goes back that's why he has a beard because he didn't even pack his razor I guess Um, so I don't know where we would have put her and I guess 
I think it'd be cool if she was around or something, but we all know that Peggy is the real deal, right? Well, that's the thing is like, it's, it's the storytelling choices. Mm -hmm. It's like, we, we are definitely rooting for the Peggy Steve romance Mm -hmm. in the film. Yeah. Despite the, the weird time travel involved. Um, that's what we're rooting for. And so there's no real place for Sharon in the narrative they're choosing. But at the same time, Sharon was a thing. She was, that was a, a thing. thing that happened that, that they set up and then ignored. Well, he, yeah, I know. Yeah. He kisses her and then they never do anything again. That was the last we saw. Right. Her. And, you know, it could be, you know, Thor and Jane. Thor is like, we dated for a while yeah. and we're just not anymore. I haven't seen her in years, even though we never saw the end of that romance. And so I realized that time passes between chapters in the MCU it's kind of like how Tony and Pepper were actually on the rocks for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they're, in then they're engaged. Yeah. Yeah. So time passes. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens off screen. That's okay. I'm chill with the idea, but I also wonder, okay, so what what, what happened? And Well, yeah, I mean, I guess. I what, see Steve and Peggy. Go ahead. I see Steve and Peggy dancing at the end and I don't care anymore. Yeah, I guess what happened is Civil War. So that just got busier than one kiss, I suppose. So sometimes yeah. things just don't happen. Sometimes things don't I sure happen. love that kiss scene, though. That's really awesome. How, like, Bucky and Falcon are all nodding, like, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. You- <laughs> that was good stuff. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, 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 Steve, yeah. But, but, but Captain America had so many great moments in this with the, um, the time travel and fighting himself and Hail Hydra in the elevator and so many good things. He definitely did. Um yeah, I loved when he fought himself. That was pretty awesome. I didn't see that coming. No. And, like, the visual of one of them wearing the mask and one of them not to help. Uh-huh. Him. And America's ass. Oh, my gosh. America's ass is now, like, the best thing in all of comics ever. Yes. And I like that, like, younger, I've been training more often than you have, who's been slacking for five years, actually was winning the fight. Yeah. That was kind of yeah. cool. Little thing. Like, he had. Because that was, that was Steve at his peak. Yeah. In the event, had to win through trickery and say, you know, Bucky's alive or whatever to make him. Right. That was cool. Um, Why did you say that name? Yeah. It was definitely one of those moments. It was really good. And Hail Hydra was genius. Not just because it's a nod to the comic, but like, yeah, that is the simplest way to get that suitcase. Just right? say that you're part of this organization that nobody's supposed to know about and take the suitcase. Brilliant. And like the 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 retcon, the retroactive continuity of having Strike and Jasper Sitwell walk in on the end of the Avengers film, uh-huh. even though they didn't exist in that part of the MCU's development. Yeah, it's cool. To, it's like Back to the Future Two, where you see extra things happening that of scenes that you're that are memorable to you. Right, yeah, like the Hulk having to make his way downstairs and we, stuff we didn't get to see before. Before it just ended yeah. with Loki, and then it went to Shwarma. You know. Which, you know, shawarma is awesome. It's tasty. But yeah, that stuff was fun. And it's nice to see the old Hulk again, even if it was just a flashback. Because he's fun. <laughs> he's fun. The um, the stuff with Strike. Okay, I, I don't think I've said this anywhere. Um, I recently was on Twitter and somebody, a British fan, mentioned how cool it would be to have like the British side of the Marvel Universe brought out more in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And that made me realize, okay, well, in the British Marvel Universe, Strike is the British branch of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, are they British? I thought they were, like, 
the shield that deals with space stuff or something. But I don't. That's sword. Oh, sword. Right. Okay. Sword is the branch that deals with space. Strike is the branch that's based in England. Okay. And in this, strike is the strike force that is working for Hydra and takes down Cap. And I, I didn't know that when I saw Captain America Winter Soldier the first time mm. because I hadn't read any Captain Britain yet. But I've since read Captain okay. Britain and I know what strike is. No, now. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. That's cool. In fact, in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, I don't know how much of that you've seen, but in the second season that brings in Bobby Morse and Mockingbird and her boyfriend, Lance, uh-huh. Lance's character in the comics is like sort of the Nick Fury of Strike. Okay, He's one of the lead agents of Strike in the British Marvel comics. So all of that's gotten all kinds of changed up in the MCU. Now, there's a whole lot else in the British Marvel Universe to focus on if you want to bring that into the into the movies. But I just like, you know, those are concepts that they would not be able to Well, use. I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. was essentially Hydra, too. So you can't just blame Strike, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, I love British espionage. Yeah, they should bring that into the play. Captain Britain in, in a live action would be pretty awesome. I would definitely pay money to see yeah. that. Especially since they've established magical things. So you could have Merlin gifting him with power and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be neat. I wonder, you know, in, in, in the interest of, of cultural sensitivity, I wonder if some of the, like, being based in England automatically means you're infused with the magic of Arthur. I wonder how much of that is, like, tiresome yeah. for British people. Well, in the Ultimates, they make mention of other countries, and Captain Britain... Just has like a super suit. Yes. His dad invented. Because so they they do a lot of like tech-based heroes. Uh-huh. So you could just go that in, way. In the Ultimates. I guess. Yeah, it's true. That's true. And would Captain Britain be seen as just a ripoff of Captain America because they don't have Steve anymore and all the flack from people who don't know what comics are? Maybe, but I that's one of the things I like about those things is like Red Guardians and Captain Americas and or Captain Britons and I like when I like mm-hmm. when countries have their own representatives. It's just like, I like it's a that mirror too. into a different world that we don't live in. That was one of the better parts of the Ultimates is like acknowledging the the international superhero aspect mm-hmm. of things. Um, who's another hero we can we can rave about? Um, uh, well, I, I'm not. I slammed on the Hulk in terms of like not getting that fight I wanted, but I did find him highly entertaining. Uh, yes, I'm really sad if this is his last appearance. I kind of hope he continues, but I don't know where he would continue. So maybe you're right. This maybe never again, but he is like a really good um, – he acted like Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, but there was a hint of like a more uh, uh, brawler tone in his voice. I mm-hmm. thought he played it really good, like kind of the blend. And I also like that he was peaceful, you know, not to say he couldn't fight, but like when he confronts Thor, for instance, like – and he says the name Thor. Thanos and Thor like almost loses it and grabs him by the shirt. You know, I thought, oh, here comes a fight. But he's just like, hey, calm down. Take your hand off me. You know, let's just relax. I'm the most Sun's getting really I'm low. the most powerful man in this room, but I'm not going to fight you. You know, and then he gives like Ant-Man a taco later and stuff. I loved all that. That was good. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. He did like, you know, take your hand off. me. Yeah. There was like there was there was definitely a menace under that velvet. Yes. But the fact is. Thor or Hulk, Hulk would have probably just attacked him. So he's right. able to control himself now. I love that he had a fan base. 
That was one of the few joys in the five year, the post five year universe is like people loved Hulk and wanted to take pictures with him and stuff. Right. Those kids were so amazing because they were like really excited about Hulk, but also like totally believably awkward about (laughs) Ant-Man. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Nobody knew who Ant-Man was. And to be fair, it's been five years. And who would know who Ant-Man was anyway? I guess he's been, I guess he's been giant in San Francisco. So. Yeah, I mean, there, there was the Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. and there 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 were things that happened, mm-hmm. but it's also been a long time ago. Yeah. Um, was the was that rendition of the Hulk, was that evocative of anything that he did in the, uh, in the Peter David run? Because that's what it made me think well, of, but I haven't read any I of that. I think that guy is called the Professor Hulk, okay, as far as, like, shortcut. Um, and that guy is definitely more violent. And had anger issues and stuff that he had okay. to actually deal with now because he doesn't just change when he's angry. He just gets angry. So that was part mm-hmm. of the fun of the storytelling is now he's just a guy who has anger issues. <laughs> uh, but there was like, I think in Secret Wars, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the original Secret Wars around that time, wasn't Bruce Banner kind of in control of the Hulk's body or something like that? I seem to remember that. I think Which so. is why Reed Richards, like when he's that famous scene where he's holding up the mountain, Reed Richards has to like make fun of him. And start telling him to get him to get yeah, it's like tell him, huh? You're such a loser. You can't lift this up. You're not as strong as you think you are. And then afterwards, he's like, I hope you don't kill me because I was just actually trying to make you. Yes, yes, I understand. You know, it's like a Suicide Squad. I was just trying to get you yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. So that it reminded me more of that, like a more of a because he's mostly Bruce Banner. It seems like. I guess it's just the artistic choice. Like whenever they have Bruce Banner in charge of Hulk's mm-hmm. brain, he just still walks around looking like the Hulk. He does, but he he seemed like he seemed like a Bruce Banner who's more comfortable in his skin than Bruce Banner. Bruce Bruce Banner yeah. was always standing around like with his hands clutched over his heart, like he's nervous. And this guy's mm-hmm. like, I'm bulletproof, and also very intelligent. Right. He put he he put the better parts of himself together. Into yeah, one. it was a really nice merge. So if we ever do see him again. It'd be interesting to see where they go from there. Like if they're gonna ruin that or keep him that way or what. Like he didn't. Well, I remember he didn't even know how to fight. Remember they like wanted him to pretend to fight when they were in the past. Like break some stuff, and he's just like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm the Hulk. I don't know. What do I do?" Yeah, well, he thought it was gratuitous. Yeah. He's like, "Why am I roaring and smashing around? Yeah. I mean, this is this is it's really pointless." Yeah, it's you know what it is. It's like the gratuitous nature of making women be sexy for the sake of being sexy. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, like, my, okay, without embarrassing her, my wife feels foolish doing, like, overtly sexy things for completely believable reasons. They are silly. They are foolish. They are feeding into fantasies that aren't realistic. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of feel like that's where where Bruce was. It's like, this is really ridiculous, just making me, you know, gyrate my hips for no reason. And he also just saw his older self roaring around and thought that was just crazy, like, yeah. Get a hold yeah. of yourself. Um, Who are some other people? Jeez, I, how about Hawkeye? Well, I was just the one thing I, was, oh, I, get, I okay. get, uh, was, was going to say is that I've heard Mark Ruffalo say years ago that if you look at the Hulk in these last three films, Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Infinity War Part Two, back when we thought that's what it was, he said that Hulk kind of has like this arc in those three films. Mm-hmm. That since he... Because the question was, why is when is Hulk ever going to get his own film again? And they can't do that for rights reasons. But like Hulk goes on a journey, and, and so Mark Ruffalo has known this was coming for a while, and I, I feel like that was the end of his arc. He has found peace with himself. There's not really more story to do. Well, he lost an arm. Can he at least get his arm back? He should get his arm back. Yeah. Oh well. 
We, we don't need. We don't want a Hulk that's armless. Right. Um. Anyways, uh, Hawkeye. All right. How about let's not just do Hawkeye. How about we lump Hawkeye and Black Widow together and talk about the scene that might be the most controversial, Con- mm. second only to elderly Captain America, which we will of course talk about eventually too. But I've heard a lot of backlash on the Black Widow, uh, uh, Hawkeye Soul Gem hunt. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of that? Okay. So the Black Widow as a character has been underserved for the entire history of the MCU. She gets introduced in Iron Man 2. She immediately resonates with the fan base and people are asking for her movie. Mm-hmm. So since 2009 or 10 to 2010, we have been saying, where is the Black Widow movie? When is that coming? When is that going to happen? For literally a decade. And every time she shows up, it, there's like this feeling of, okay, that was great, but there's could be so much more. Let's do more. Let's, let's bring Black Widow into her own story. Yeah. Um, when she's Cap's, you know, buddy cop friend in uh, Winter Soldier, when she gets the Red Room flashbacks in Age of Ultron, um, when she has an unexpected romance with the Hulk in Age of Ultron, um, when Hulk leaves, and we don't really get to see Natasha's reaction to that later. Right. Um, and in this movie, she gets to do a lot as a character, but then she gets killed at the end in a scene that I like Hawkeye, but it really should have been Hawkeye. <laughs> so is that just for favoritism or do you have a story reason for that? No, I just. Cause you could figure out a story uh, reason. There just needs, there, there's, there's never been the fulfillment of the promise with black widow. I know she should have been, and she should have been Marvel's first female movie. Should have been. Yeah. And definitely in a post Captain Marvel world where we were like, everyone is itching for more Marvel heroes and we are getting a black widow movie, but evidently it's a prequel. Evidently it's like earlier. I don't know if we're going to get like red room or if we're going to get like, oh. you know, gallivanting adventures during the five is years of what we're going to get or someone else. Is this, I feel like I've seen that Scarlett oh. Johansson is going to be in the black, well, widow movie, but I, I, I would buy a film that is about a younger Natasha who's been recast. I would too, but I'd rather it be Scarlett Johansson. She can do it. She doesn't look yeah. like she's 90 or anything. Um, no. no. Yeah, I agree with you. I She is a really great character that, yeah, if you sat down and opened up Word, Word document and like typed out her story, it'd be like five paragraphs or something. And you just yeah. go, wow, that's it really? Because she's made such an impression on my brain. I think her best stuff was in Winter Soldier because she got the most screen time in there and did a lot of like, like finding out she was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. who was just as evil as Russia – was good stuff. Um, yes. Finding out that. Yes. That was another thing. Like giving us promise of more with her that never really quite yeah, happened. Earning Cap's trust was like a big deal to her in that movie. Like, would you, tr- would you trust mm-hmm. me to save your life and all that stuff? Like, are, do you think of me as duplicitous or a good person? That was all great. She works the hard. Like in Avengers, she's the most normal, normal person. I mean, she and Hawkeye, I guess. But they she works harder than Hawkeye because he uses his bow and arrows and he looks like he's not sweating all that much, you know? She's right. like in there fighting and she always just seems super tough and her fights are fun. She saved the day in Avengers with the staff uh, cl- closing yes. the portal. So all that. Um, here's my problem with that scene. It's not so much her death, which I felt nothing about, which is a problem. But Infinity War, we're going back to that again. Red Skull says... You must offer up a soul for the soul gem. 
And Gamora's like, ha ha, are you off? You must offer up someone you love for the soul gem. You must sacrifice a soul for the soul gem. And she's like, ha ha, you don't love anything. I finally get to see you lose, right? And he turns around crying because he loves Gamora. And she's like, oh man, you love me? And then he tosses her over the thing. So that's how it works, right? Okay. So suicide. That scene should have been arguing over who pushes who off the cliff. How much more dramatic is that? Huh? Like arguing over who... Like, okay, like Hawkeye so, has to kill Scarlet Witch, or Scarlet Witch, sorry, uh, Black, Black Widow, Widow, or Black Widow has to kill Hawkeye because they love them to get the soul gem. That's how it works. You don't get to, get to jump off. That's a cop out. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it got so wrapped up in them being willing to be the one who dies uh-huh. that we forgot about the whole, yeah, but the other one has to lose. Right. It. So it would have been more dramatic if, and they, and of all the characters in the Marvel Universe, those two are the two that would have done something like that. To win the day Mm because they're the guys from S.H.I.E.L.D. and Russia and spies and stuff. So they know that you got to sacrifice play once in a while. You got to make the sacrifice play. So that would have been a more dramatic scene if they followed their own freaking rules. And then two, I kind of feel like of all the characters, those are definitely the two that could justify why they'd want to die. Because Hawkeye, at least in this movie, feels like he went off the deep end. So even though he wants to see his family again, would he, they even recognize him because now he's this horrible murderer guy? Although they sort right. of muddled that up later. But And she has always talked about how like she's got red in her ledger and needs to make up for it. Although she said that to Loki, so maybe she was lying. I don't know. Uh, no, no, I, I believe she's not. Yeah, red. so I could see, and also I could see her not wanting Hawkeye to not have his family, you know? Because she loves him. So that's, I don't know, I just felt like it was... I didn't care about the suicide, and like either way, someone's gonna lose. I guess it did seem like it and didn't with, go with anywhere. Hawkeye, yeah, I mean, Hawkeye has also been underserved. Mm-hmm. Like we've always felt like there should be more Hawkeye, maybe more so from yeah his yeah yeah maybe more so his cameo in Thor, Thor, his being enslaved <laughs> and therefore not really getting to be an Avenger in the Avengers. Pretty much for three quarters of the movie, anyway. Yeah, he gets to be... He has some really cool Avengers moments in Age of Ultron. He has some very Hawkeye moments in Age of Ultron, which I really yeah. loved. That's that bit where he talks to Scarlet Witch about, right. like, it doesn't matter what you did before. That's a very Hawkeye speech. Yeah, especially, yeah. Because Hawkeye um, is a villain. Sp- or Hawkeye did start out as a villain. He has a questionable background. He and Black Widow both have questionable backgrounds. And it plays differently in the Ultimates and the MCU than it is in the original comics, but you know the the theme is still there. Yeah. Um. So Hawkeye, you know, I knew he was going to lose his family because that's his. You had to, right? The MC, yeah, the MCU is informed so much by the Ultimates and finding out that he had a girlfriend and had a kid, mm-hmm. like he did in the Ultimates. I've been waiting for them to die the entire time. <laughs> that's so evil, but yeah, kind of, huh? Well, yeah, and like he gets attacked in his house in the ultimate, and, yeah, but also in the movie. Well, what do you mean attack? Like, because they disappear it, at home? No, in one of the movies, doesn't he? No, aren't he and his girlfriend at his house in one of the movies, and he gets attacked? In his no, house? that was the sanctuary. It was actually a great we don't fight scene that everybody complained about because it was boring. You mean I am seriously seeing in my head him and his girlfriend hanging out at his house no. and getting attacked. No, it's. And that might just be the Ultimates t- turning into movie in my no, head. No, it's actually his wife and his children, and they didn't know he had them. And so that was why it was a sanctuary. 
Because they were, they were. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. They go to the saint. They go to his house. It's a sanctuary. You're that right. Scene is You're so right. great okay. because a Thor takes off because he can't stand it there, and b that's the scene where Cap, without any verb verbiage, but you just know that he realizes this is not his kind of place anymore. Because at the end of Avengers, right. Avengers two, he's like, "I'm home," meaning, uh, you know, I'm part of the military or whatever. Anyway. I'm an Avenger more I'm than an a Avenger person. more than a person who wants a house and a home and stuff. Even though we're going to get to there in Endgame. So yeah, I've been waiting for them mm-hmm. to die. <laughs> that's that's fair <laughs> because that's Hawkeye's. Because the Hawkeye in the in the in the six one six universe doesn't have all those people. No. That is strictly an Ultimates Hawkeye right. thing. And Black Widow and Hawkeye in the MCU are very much Ultimate Black Widow and Hawkeye. Um, so they finally die at the beginning of Endgame and. I can totally see why Hawkeye goes off the deep end and, and get, becomes Ronin. Although you know, traveling the world, killing brown people is or people of color is 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 definitely an interesting storytelling beat for reasons. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Do you think it was just because they wanted him to be somewhere other than America so that they could buy the story that we can't find him? Yeah. And it, here's the thing: it's like, okay, the Avengers are a worldwide police keeping force. They talk about mm-hmm. that. They mention mm-hmm. that. Um, they mentioned the Hawkeyes in Mexico. Then we see him in Japan. Mm-hmm. And we figure that he's doing the same kinds of things that the Avengers are doing. He's just doing it more brutally. Right. But all of the storytelling beats that we get with him are him out in the world killing people of color. And also, I don't feel like he does anything that he hasn't probably already done for S.H.I.E.L.D. on numerous occasions. Yeah. So I never really bought this idea that he's like like gone too far because it's like he's not it's not like he's not killed before you know i don't know yeah i don't know and they kind of but i really just expected him to die yeah he is the soul of the team in a way or you know often is in the comics and he is the guy in the team that has a family in the mcu so he could have been the guy who dies for the soul gym uh i don't know would that have been too similar a beat of tony dying Tony dies and his family goes on without him. Hawkeye dies and his family goes on without him. Where that's beats too similar to be in the same that's story. That's a good point. I would have, yeah, see. And I don't know. Black Widow should have lived. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and can you think of anything that happened with Hawkeye after, like, the last act again? You know what I mean? Like, they, they set up yeah. this idea that he's killed too much now in the last five years and he's too evil and too whatever and you should kill me, Black Widow. I don't even know if I want to see my family again. And then their call on the phone. I don't even remember. Is there a scene where they reunite or anything? Or well, that's the first indication you get that things are okay after Hulk snaps. Mm-hmm. Is his phone starts ringing and his wife is someone, there. so or girlfriend. Someone in my theater shouted, "Just answer it!" Because <laughs> right. it just kept ringing and ringing. He was staring at it like all horrified. No, but I mean, like, but I think, at the end of the movie, though, did they show them together or? I think we do get a brief okay. recap. Yeah, a, a brief reunion because after teasing his daughter in the time travel scene, we see him reunite with his daughter and his okay. kids at the end okay. of the movie. And there's a hug or something. Okay, so they kind of just didn't follow up on him being horribly scarred for life or anything. But Right, he gets he gets all of his life yeah, back. He's, he's just fine. So, okay, so from a storytelling perspective, is... Killing Hawkeye's family and then reuniting them after he goes on a on a on a nadir of his life, is that just an easier story to tell than Black Widow going on with life even though she doesn't have a family besides the Avengers? 
I don't know. I and mean, we don't know the behind the scenes either. Maybe Scarlett just wanted out, and so they wrote her out. But like you said, she's making a movie, so I guess they don't. Yeah, she's not getting out. Like, I, th- I think Jeremy Renner is more done with this than she is. So what they should have done is done what I said, and someone should have killed the other one. They should have killed Hawkeye. Family finds out Hawkeye's gone. Uh, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet, why do I keep calling her Scarlet Witch? Black Widow. Red hair. Black Widow retires from depression. She killed her best friend. After telling the family that she did it, uh, daughter picks up the bow and arrow and says, I'm going to avenge my... I'm going to be just like daddy. So that, you know, will be Avengers 5. That would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Last note on the Black Widow. Then we need, I think we need to hit another couple major beats and, and start wrapping up because it's been over an hour. Um, but I love that Black Widow's bleached hair was growing out and it was red underneath. Like red's her natural hair color. Mm-hmm. Because in the comics, red is not her natural hair color. She dyes it red. It's brunette after being a brunette. Yeah, yeah in, in these early comics with Tony Stark, she's a she's a raven haired woman. Or is that the dye? See, that's the question. We, and if we ever get to that Amazing Spider-Man issue where Black Widow's look gets overhauled, we can talk about that. Okay. Um, but like, once in comics, once you dye your hair, it's retroactively always dyed, and also it's the hair color you always had. Because young Black Widow is also a redhead. Now that everyone knows she's a redhead. Okay. So it's weird. Yeah. Um, All right. So since it's been like an hour 20 and we haven't talked about time travel, let's talk about time travel. Let's talk about Captain America and Tony Stark's end. And then I think we've killed this thing, right? I think so. So you tell me how the time travel works and I'll tell you why I'll complain more, I guess. Go ahead. With Steve Rogers? Is that what we're focusing on? Or just in general. I don't know. It was kind of all over the place through the whole movie, wasn't it? Or is that just me? Um, so the rules that the movie gives us are from the Hulk and Ancient Ones conversation. The Hulk and the Ancient Ones say that anytime you make a change, you've spun off a new universe. Right. Which is how Marvel traditionally deals with time travel in the comics. It's back to the Future you 2. You don't have time travel. Yes. yes. Yeah, Back to the Future 2. And in Marvel Comics, you don't have time travel. You have multiverse. Mm-hmm. The different branches of the timeline are different Earths that you can visit. Right. Um, so everything they do that changes history is then undone if you go back earlier and put the stone back. I guess. Okay, so that's the rule. To me, that seems like it would still create alternate realities. But fine, that's the rule, right? Right. Because it showed it. It showed Instead of a chalkboard with Doc Brown, it was like her magic showing a timeline and an alternate timeline. And then Hulk put the gems back and it created one timeline again. Yeah, but it's, it's basically the same diagram just done with, with CGI instead of a chalkboard. Correct. So that means all the stuff they're doing, like Thor stealing Thor's hammer from Thor, right? Or, uh, uh-huh. or uh, you know... The Hail Hydra, Cap versus Cap stuff, and Loki getting away. Um, all that just gets undone, right? Or return. Theoretically, although I feel like I feel like there's more done in each of those scenes than could be fixed by just putting the stone back. Because I, yeah, I they think do so, a too. whole lot they do a whole lot around the taking of the stone, you know? They do, and the idea of just Cap by himself putting all those stones back seems like, uh, how do you do that? You know? Right. Especially the soul gem. And Back to the soul gem again. What does he do? How does he put it in this ethereal universe that doesn't exist unless you sacrifice a soul? How does he insert that back? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Does he just put it under a rock and hope for the best? Hope the red skull. By the way, you want to see that reunion? I totally want to see that reunion someday. 
And when Loki skadooshes <laughs> away with the um, with the Tesseract, uh-huh. Uh-huh. is because here's another thing: is that they had to go back to the 70s to get the Tesseract from another point in time. So that, and I'm guessing that Captain America puts the Tesseract back in the 70s, but Loki still skadooshed off with the Tesseract. Right. So did they make two different treads doing that? I don't know. And whenever that happened, the first thing I thought of was, oh, that's right. Loki's getting a TV show. Oh, is he? I don't think I knew that. Okay. Yeah, Loki's getting a TV show with Tom Hiddleston. And so my thought was, oh, that can spin off from here. Loki's off being Loki. In a different universe, maybe. Or, yeah. Or something. So the time travel's weird. The time travel's weird and a whole lot of levels completely separate from Captain America's time travel. Okay, so that's the one. This drives me the most crazy on multiple levels. But literally in that scene, they say, Cap, whatever you do, don't deviate. Or you'll create an alternate timeline. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He's got Thor's hammer to return. He's got the stones, I guess, whatever. He disappears. They can't get him back. And then he comes back. Then he's there as an old man because he decided to deviate. But he's not in an alternate timeline, right? Unless he came back over from the alternate timeline. How would he have done that? Or are we now looking at an alternate timeline? Okay, so... There are two ways I can see this happening. Okay. And both have internal consistency problems. Okay. But so one, Tony, not Tony, Steve, after he completes his stone mission, Mm -hmm. he returns to Peggy Carter Mm -hmm. and lives out their life together. Okay. And the first question I think of is, well, that is, does that negate the Agent Carter TV show? Yes. No, it's an alternate timeline. Um, Hulk just said. Well, unless he goes back to Peggy's life five minutes after the Agent Carter TV show, and he is the husband that she always had. Okay. But isn't that it? So that's not a deviation because he was predestined to always go there? Right. We know that she had a husband. Did we see a picture? We never saw a picture. Okay. So possibly she married Steve... In the early 1950s, and became director of Shield while married to Steve. Okay, so she never mentioned that to anybody. Uh, well, we never saw adult Peggy. Oh, that's true. Except for all, they... except for Alzheimer's adult Peggy in right. the movie. Right. So that was probably really confusing her. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, um, as soon as young Steve left, old Steve would come on in and say, "I'm back again," and she'd be like, "What? Do I have Alzheimer's, or are you just all over the place?" Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, Steve carefully timing his visits where his older self wasn't there. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that could happen. Okay. And I like that one more. I'm with it, I guess. It um, still requires some headcanon and they should have explained it in the movie. But sure, let's go with that one. What's the other option? The other one is that he goes back to whenever because it doesn't matter because it's going to be an alternate timeline anyway. And he lives out his life with Peggy in an alternate timeline and then uses his time travel machine or time travel pin particles or whatever to skip laterally into our universe and return the shield. Okay. Does that, that suggest that do they have the ability to control those suits and where they go or are they pre-programmed or something? I don't know. I don't know either. Let's forget that. I'd, 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 have to, I'd have to see if there are more details in the script. Seeing movies with subtitles is a whole other experience for me because 
I process a lot more of the details of the film once I can see the words. I've read multiple articles on blogs and stuff that like try and explain how why the time travel definitely works. Stop complaining about it. It works. And like after mm-hmm. paragraph 28, it's like if I have to read 28 paragraphs to figure out how it works, then this movie is not successful, right? Because um, I shouldn't have to do that. This isn't a David Lynch movie. This is a. But at the same time, it's the movie's there for the emotional moments. The movie's there for the character <sighs> yeah, beats. Yeah, true. And so the logic of the time travel is like secondary to that. I guess, except it gets in the way. And if you don't, it does. If you, if you don't think about it too much, it's just a story and you can enjoy mm-hmm. it. But I, but, but I, that's all I was thinking about the entire time in that scene. So, so instead of crying <laughs> about my favorite hero being old and done with the MCU, I'm thinking, how is this happening? Right, um, right. So, and what's even weirder about that scene? Forget just the time travel. Bucky has this look on his face like he knows his friend's not coming back. And then when his friend doesn't come back immediately and Hulk and Falcon start panicking and pressing buttons and stuff, he turns around with a smile like, yep, I was right. He's not coming back. So what the frick was that about? Because then he looks shocked that he is back. I guess he just assumed that he was going to go hook up with Becky, with Peggy or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Here's what I want. I want him to redo it. I'm that kind of fanboy. I think there should have been a scene where Bucky and Cap are sitting on a bench after the funeral. Talk, Cap talking about how he's getting tired or he saw Peggy and he missed her and stuff like that. Then there should be a scene where they like fight over who returns the gems and Cap really wants to be the one to do it. And Bucky's like, hmm, he's up to something. And then we have that exact scene where Hulk says, whatever you do, don't deviate or you'll create an alternate timeline and Bucky's nodding going he's not coming back and then they have the hug and stuff and then he doesn't come back and then we should have Bucky turn around smiling and walking away fade to black fade to another scene where it says somewhere in an alternate timeline and have them dancing the end huh (laughs) I just fixed it but we'll never see that you fixed it we'll never see that so I I have two more thoughts I want to get out there about this so we can start wrapping up Uh, one is that the biggest complaint I've seen about Steve time traveling and living out a life mm-hmm. is that Steve Rogers would not sit on the sidelines while all of our real life history and all of its terrible aspects plays out. Right. To that, I say Hogwash? bullshit because that's exactly what he did in the comics. Right. Has he ever involved, other than World War II, which even then he's fighting vampires, uh, right. he didn't fight in Vietnam and and Korea and all that stuff. And his comics were going on. And while his comics occasionally address social issues, it was never the main thing. Mm -mm. And in the MCU, he's been out of the ice since 2012. Donald Trump still got elected. I mean, (laughs) the world is still going to pot all around us. And Steve Rogers hasn't saved the day. He didn't fight in the Gulf. He did not. Yeah. The, the, None of those things happened in the MCU or in the comics. And there have been plenty of what if stories about Steve Rogers living out his life and letting stuff happen and being conflicted about mm-hmm. it, but like concluding that that's not his place. Well, also, you could argue that he probably realizes he's a man out of time. Hey, again, and that he probably shouldn't affect things as, you know, as little as possible. Right. So going around being Captain America in 1950, whatever, would just screw everything up. Whereas if he just keeps it low and enjoys a private life, then it's fine. Which is what a lot of people do in, in the regular world. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they realize the limit of their abilities or their place, and they choose what battles to fight. Yeah. Um, also, we have been told 
that there is a Winter Soldier Falcon buddy team up show uh-huh. coming. Yep. That's one of the many TV projects that Marvel has announced. Apparently it's not. Like, what if Marvel never makes another movie? What if it's all just TV shows? Well, apparently it's not um, Winter Soldier Falcon. Yeah, because here's the thing is that Captain America Civil War was originally announced as Captain America Serpent Society. Uh-huh. I remember that. Captain America Serpent Society was announced. There was a logo, and that was the thing until the next big comic convention, either San Diego or New York, whichever one, and they, like, faded out and revealed it was actually going to be Captain America Civil War. So it was an intentional misdirection. Mm -hmm. Captain America... I'm sorry. Bucky... Winter Soldier and the Falcon. His name is Bucky. It's funny. Yeah. Could be a misdirection. Could be. And it could be either a Winter Soldier and Cap movie, a TV show, or a Bucky and Cap TV show with Sam and Bucky. Or it could be an entire season of Falcon. Not sure if he wants to do that TV show. Right. Just because he just because he took it doesn't mean he wants it. True. And Captain America, as Sam Wilson, blended his Falcon idea with his Captain America identity. So, you know, it could still be a blend of those two just with keeping the name Falcon, but Falcon as Captain America kind of thing. No. So there are lots of possibilities. We don't know what they're going to do. Don't even get me started on Falcon Cap. We're, we're already an hour 30 in. <laughs> well, I understand that some of the choices in the storytelling and that in the comics were less than awesome, but they could they could redeem themselves in the TV show. Yeah, yeah that's true. You could do anything. Um, I want to wrap up. I feel like I've talked a lot about the Captain America thing, but he's more of your guy. Um, oh, we didn't talk about. I Tony. feel like I haven't said the words. Oh, go ahead. I feel like I haven't said the words Spider-Man this entire time. Oh, He's my guy, yeah, yeah. right? So all I want to say is that I loved the stuff with Spider-Man and Tony at the end. I was really, really touched by it. Seeing some of the footage that didn't make it into the movie mm-hmm. with like Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland hugging each other on the set, and then Tony kisses Peter on the cheek while they're hugging. And I was like, oh my gosh, that really should have been in the movie. Um, that w- I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. That next. was a great bit. That was a good follow-up to how it ended in, you know, in Infinity War. You know, losing a son, essentially. That was great. And Far From Home is really going to be even more interesting now than ever. Because it's like, how is this going to work? It's going to be mm-hmm. like, did all of his classmates disappear? Or are any of them five years older? Or... Yeah. You know, like apparently not any of the ones I recognize, but are there going to be repercussions? Is he going to evidently what happens? Yeah. Evidently all of his friends are going to have to be five, uh, like, like in the snap Mm -hmm. because they're all the same age as he is. It's going to be some really convenient choices of humans that died in the snap. Um, the feeling I get whenever he and, uh, Ned hug each other at the end is that Ned is surprised to see him like, Oh my gosh, you're back. But if that's the case, why is Ned still in high school? Right. And so that can't be the case. And so Ned must have been in the snap and it just played a little bit differently than I would Like they just haven't seen each other since the since yeah, they reformed. Yeah. And do you know that you're dead for five years? Is like do you feel dead for five years in the snap? I don't I know. I feel like someone said something in Endgame, but now I can't remember what they said. Yeah. I don't know. I need to see Endgame again. <laughs> but yeah, I think I don't know. Do you want to talk about anything else like Tony dying? We kinda of, I don't know what to say about it. He died. But uh, he saved the world, finally. Um, yeah. It makes no sense, but Tony's, he did it. And he's dead now. Yeah. See, the more breaking rules. What happened to the whole, like, you have to have an iron gauntlet and Hulk has to do it because he's the only one strong enough. And, and like, well, he just okay, did I kinda, it. Well, he, 
he wasn't strong enough. It killed it him. It did kill him, but he didn't do the whole, oh my god, I'm in agony and dying Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like it worked. Okay. His his armor glove was not strong enough to support the stones for any length of time. Right. It held the stones, he did the snap, and he died. Right. So like all of the stuff, Hulk has to be strong enough or whatever. I think that's with the idea of surviving the event. The event killed Tony. It did kill Tony. That's true. I like that bit where Doctor um, Strange is like holding up his finger. As if to say, I like all the memes that have come out of that. Like all the other things he could have been communicating besides. Besides, you're the one who has to die, so we all can live. One option. Or there's only one way this can go down, and you know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he could have been saying, "Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a planet. Superman." <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude. You know, Scarlet Witch was doing really good. Why don't you just throw her at him again? The only reason it didn't work is because he had that ship, but Captain Marvel just smashed the ship. So. Throw her on him again. Let's do this. I feel like there's a lot more about this movie that we could talk about, but I feel like we've put all the parts that are important to us as fans. Yeah, I'm just going to complain more. So I'm getting tired of my voice. Um, we've already done the whole speculate about the future thing. Really want to see where Spider-Man goes. Really want to see the Scarlet Witch TV show. Really want to see friggin' San Diego Comic-Con's news announcements. Yeah. It's a month and a half away. I know. I think the Winter Soldier Falcon TV shows what I'm most excited about, but I don't know how long that stuff's going to take to get around. They got to create a whole Disney network first. Yeah. The Disney network, all it is is Marvel and star Wars. They have like 15 shows between the different Marvel and star Wars programs. Yeah. But I've been thinking like when I, what do I watch on Netflix? Oh, Disney stuff. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'm canceling Netflix maybe depending on how that works. But I'm not exactly. I think there's like a dozen or more TV programs that have been announced just between Marvel and Star Wars. Are they doing anything Disney for Disney? Because I'm sure they probably are. Yeah. Like all the different animated properties. Yeah. I'm sure there's I'd stuff love to going see all there. that stuff too. Because Pixar, all that, maybe? I don't know. But we have gone on for quite a while, and this is after recording our annuals episode, <laughs> which you're gonna be getting in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Which is also our longest episode we've ever done. So we have our longest episode we've ever done, back to back with our longest not comic special we've ever done. Oof. We are tired. It's been a thing. Yes. But we've covered the universe. But I like... We have covered the multiverse. Ooh, the multiverse. Dun, dun, no, dun. there's no multiverse because they restored everything. It's a universe again. And Secret Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Doctor Strange talked about, like, guardians of the multiverse. That's like the Sorcerer Supreme's job is to guard the multiverse. That's a good point. There must be a multiverse regardless, right? Well, then they've also mentioned it in the Spider-Man trailer, because theoretically that's where Mysterio came from, but I'm still oh. holding out that might be an obfuscation. That might be Mysterio alive. There was a meme, or was a Twitter that, like, you know, uh, his entire origin is about what a liar he is, but as soon as he mentions the multiverse, everybody takes it as fact. Yup, 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 yup. Okay, well, I think we need to, I think we need to put the end game on this end game. You did it, Marvel. 10, 11 years or something like that. Now this is, like, round two. Mm-hmm. Or something. So this is coming out. Let's see, we're going to put this on next Friday. So that's the same week as episode 59. 59 is when we're getting into June of 1964. Talking about Sergeant Fury 9. Talking about the Avengers number 7. Talking about Amazing Spider-Man 16. So go check out that episode is on the feed. Um, assuming that I didn't mess up the upload like last week. <laughs> What's <laughs> the next uh, recording? Uh, property we're going to do. X-Men. Marvel movie? X-Men 3. 
X-Men 3 is, um, if all goes according to plan, our X-Men 3 episode is going to drop the same week that Dark Phoenix hits theaters. Oh, and then we'll be watching Dark Phoenix. We'll be watching Dark Phoenix. We're going to save our conversation for that until after we go with all the stuff with Sarah. So um, it's going to be an interesting journey through the X-Men films over the next few months. Yeah. Um, We're either, I think, through the rest of the year, we're either going to talk about the latest MCU film or an X-Men film. I don't think we have really any other plans for the next several months. We're going to mutant up. Unless I'm forgetting something. Yes. And we don't even know what the next MCU film is after Far From Home. I'm sure by then we'll find out. There's bound to be announcements. There's going to be something in November. Is there? It is. Oh. I assume there is. Maybe there's not. Justice League 2? Oh, yeah, because they've already had their three for the year. They had Captain Marvel and uh, Endgame and Far From Home. So that's it. Those are the three Marvel movies for this year. There's not going to be a fall movie this year. Okay. So I guess that's it. All right. Well, until next time, everybody. Thank you all for listening. We don't have a a, um, Make Ours Marvel Zinger on the end of these things. We're just going to say thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.